you know, and so I think when it's working, it improves our ability to make connections with, I think with other people, honestly. Um, I think, you know, sometimes in order to improve our relationships with other people, we have to feel okay ourselves. Mm. And a lot of times, whatever movement community you're a part of provides that connection, which is, I think, when movement communities are working well, when they provide a nourishing, healthy connection for people in community to engage with others. That was Laurel Beversdorf, who is a yoga teacher, movement educator. Um, I met Laurel uh, in May of this year. Um, when I did her yoga with resistance bands teacher training and um, I first found out about Laurel when I read an article she posted on her blog called Practice and Everything Still May Not All Come and I was drawn to Laurel because of the way that she was just kind of interrogating kind of um, ideas and practices within yoga um, and within movement as a, as a whole and just kind of approaching things from a real curious, playful um, point of view. So she's very active on Instagram where she shares a lot of her movement practices and, and thoughts and questions. Um, so I recommend following her there if you're interested in that kind of thing. There's links to her account in the show notes. And we just had a really, really quite broad ranging conversation about yoga, movement, exercise, um, our modern society um, or in the West, uh, kind of how it can be quite individualistic. Um, how we've kind of segregated movement, kind of compartmentalized it as exercise and what that might mean and um, what the benefits of a movement practice is in a full rounded movement practice and why it's good for us to cross pollinate our movement practice. So not just stick to one thing. Um, it's a really, really great listen for anybody, but also for people who work within movement. So if you teach any kind of movement modality, um, if you're a yoga teacher, of course, it's really interesting, but, um, also if you teach, you know, classes in gyms or your PT or anything like that, I think she's a really interesting, um, voice to listen to. And I, I imagine that you will get a lot of ideas and questions coming up as a result of this podcast which is part of exactly the point so i really hope you enjoy listening to it thank you as always for tuning in and let me know what you think of the episode you can find me on instagram at being underscore change or just um, find me on my website at being-change.com and send me an email or something okay let's get on with the episode hello and welcome to create shift my name's ellen carr as well as being the host of this podcast, I'm a writer, a yoga teacher, and a holistic living mentor. This podcast is here to support, encourage, and inspire you to live your most purposeful and holistic life. The conversations had, questions asked, and thoughts presented are here to awaken that whispering of your soul, your own questions about the life you want to lead, and to give you the confidence that you can create the shift you want to make in your life. I believe that the way to true health and happiness individually and collectively, is to live a truly holistic life. A life that is driven by a purpose that feels true and right to us, and that helps us to feel connected to ourselves and each other and the world around us, and that leaves us feeling fulfilled and content. I release a new season of the show in line with the change in the seasons in nature, so normally you'll find a new season coming out around the solstice or equinox time. Each season has a couple of solo episodes, as well as interviews with lots of interesting and thought-provoking guests. Thank you so much for being here. I really hope that you enjoy listening to Create Shift. If you do enjoy the show, I would love it if you would be happy to leave a rating or a review, or both. You can do that on iTunes if you listen via the Apple Podcasts app. It's super easy. Otherwise, you can go onto iTunes, search Create Shift, and leave the review on there. I'd love to carry on the conversation with you. You can find me online at being-change.com. And you can find me on Instagram at being underscore change. Hi, Laurel. Thank you for joining me on the show today. It's so good to have you. Thank you, Ellen. I'm happy to be here. 
Um, so um, I want to get started with kind of a little, um, you know, I call it like an icebreaker question, even though yeah, we already know each other, but um, for you to break the ice with the listeners, um, because this podcast is released um, in line with the change in the seasons, so it's a seasonal podcast, um, quite literally, and we're now in the season of autumn or fall for all you guys over in North America. So could you tell me what your favorite thing about is, is about that season? Well, I grew up in Wisconsin, which is a state that experiences four very pronounced seasons. And I loved the fall the best. Um, and I always have. I live in New York City now, which also has four seasons, although they're they're a little bit blurrier than the sharp contrast of the seasons in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fall is my favorite. And I think one of the reasons, if I think back to where I grew up, that it continues to be my favorite, one of the, one of the reasons, there's many, is the back to school energy. Yeah. <laughs> I loved going to the store with my mom and buying all my supplies, like the notebooks and the pens and the binders and like figuring out how I was going to organize all my school supplies <laughs> for my classes or whatever it was. And, um, there's something about the nostalgia of that, um, you know, before we had like iPads and, you know, now I don't, I, I don't know what that looks like now. I'll find out. I'm sure it's still, you know, there's still paper products and, 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 you know, handwriting utensils that need to be purchased. But anyway, oh, who knows um, by the time your daughter's in school, I mean, <laughs> yeah, knows? yeah. But I find too, like, even now in adulthood, I don't, I don't go back to school, now, I did actually just recently complete a whole bunch of prerequisites for physical therapy school, in which case I was going to school all year round and I really wasn't, I wasn't as much feeling the back to school vibe mm. because I was also pregnant and, you know, it was, yeah. it was a little too much um, and it didn't feel seasonal at all. It just felt, per, you know, something that continued in perpetuity until I finished all my prereqs. Um, but now, you know, when I look back at sort of my adult Hood and my experience with this kind of back to school energy, I always felt this renewed sense of wanting to learn more wherever I was in my teaching or wherever I was in my career. And it always came and hit me pretty hard around the fall because I think, you know, what happens in the U.S. and most places is August is this month where you kind of slow down and it's hot and you go maybe on some vacation or go see family and your schedule like really shifts. And because of the shift in schedule, you have this sort of maybe time to reflect on what it is that you're interested in. You get to maybe spend a little bit more time kind of doing things like reading fiction or sitting by the beach or, you know, on the beach or, um, having, you know, meandering conversations with people that you don't get to see as often, maybe, right. If you're, if you're vacationing or maybe you travel to a a foreign country and you, you know, you, you sort of have your, um, your viewpoints or your, uh, ideas about things, or maybe just your comfort zone sort of, uh, mixed up a little bit. And, uh, and then you come back in September, come back in September to your life again, probably. Right. Yeah. And, and then you're back to your life and maybe you have this different perspective on, on like how you want to go forward. And a lot of times, like what that means for me after a period like August coming back in September to my life going forward is like, now what do I want to learn now? So I think that's what fall reminds me of is it, it, it you know, for, I think, for many, it's also, you know, a season of, of, of death, right? The leaves fall off the trees and the, very slowly the earth starts to kind of get ready for winter. Um, but, you know, within that, there's also this maybe uh, opposite uh, opening for, yeah. for school, for learning, for, for rebirth yeah. almost. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely feel like that as well. And it's always been my favorite season. Um, and I love it because of those things you said as well. Um, and I think to me, like the spring and the fall time 
are the times where we have kind of more energy for projects and things like that. And the summer and the winter sort of feel a little bit slower and for, for different reasons. And I think you're right, mm-hmm. the fall has like that energy of, of death and that reminding us that we're about to slow down and go into this really darkened period. Um, and so it's kind of our last sort of chance to to get things in order. We have this kind of flurry of energy that's sort of reflected, I guess, in the, you know, kind of think about the wind and how it picks the leaves and they scatter around and it's like... Yeah, yeah, it's kind of this this last chance to get things together and kind of do the final harvesting of, of whatever it is that we want to harvest. If you can if you can harvest learning, I don't know. Um, mm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think you can. yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, and that's lovely. Thank you. Um, and actually, you touched on something there that maybe let's let's follow on that. It's kind of this idea of of curiosity and kind of always wanting to learn. And I think um, I'm I'm kind of drawn to you and as a as a teacher because you're so curious and and always asking questions and and kind of you've encouraged me to uh ask more questions and want to learn more although I've always loved learning and things but kind of that that idea that you can always be um developing and progressing on on kind of what you do and especially as a as a yoga teacher I guess um and so yeah I see you as a very a very curious person with a very kind of questioning mind um do you think that's an important thing for a yoga teacher to have uh I think it depends it depends I think it depends but yeah I think in in general I would say it's a it's a good quality to have for 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 anybody um but I wouldn't I wouldn't say like I'm just not prone to generalizations I guess (laughs) but I would say like if 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 I were to think about sort of the moments in my career where I maybe lacked curiosity versus the moments in my career where I was full of it, I would say for for me, those were the periods where I was full of curiosity were the periods in which I created the most amount of positive change in what I was doing, but it's not really what I was doing. It was like how I felt while I was doing it. You know, like I think that how you feel while you're doing something is maybe the bigger deal, right? So I just felt better about what I was teaching. Of course, I taught differently. I was teaching differently. The how was different. The what was different. But I felt better doing it. And and that was the thing that, you know, was probably the most benefit to me and my students. And, and, the, and the periods of time when I was teaching and maybe was lacking in curiosity, I think what I felt more than anything was I felt like I was right. Mm. So while that sounds like it might be a really good feeling, there was something missing. It wasn't as satisfying as you would think to feel right. Um, and this is me looking back. like Yeah. 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 I think it's hard to it's hard to see that in the moment, you know. Like yeah, yeah. in the moment, you might feel self righteous, and that might feel yeah. good. But then, um, I feel like I wasn't maybe as creatively stimulated, and I started to get bored. And being right is, you know, it's actually like pretty boring. I think mm-hmm. being wrong being wrong is not necessarily fun, no. but not not being so certain that you're right. I think that's like the that's the sweet spot. Yeah, being curious about whether you are or not. Or, yeah. Mm, mm. Um, so how, how do you describe what you teach now? And could you maybe talk about kind of how that's evolved over the years? Because obviously you've been teaching for quite a number of years. Yeah, I have been teaching for probably 11 years, 12 years, but like really full time for 10. Um, I teach yoga that is meant to help people get stronger, both within this kind of physical sense of being able to maybe withstand more and also, uh, physically being able to to do more because they're stronger, but withstand more in the sense that like yoga that makes people stronger in the sense that it it makes them more comfortable with this sort of discomfort of not having the answers mm-hmm. right away. And maybe that strength is really vulnerability, maybe it's curiosity. I don't know what you would call that type of strength. 
But my teaching style is reflective of this philosophy that like we're kind of in that sweet spot creatively and um, maybe like really truly in uh, in a symbiotic relationship with the people around us and the subject matter we're sharing with the people around us when we're willing to step back from this need to be right and go, hmm, maybe there's more that I don't know. Maybe there's more to know. Maybe I'm just looking at this from one perspective. Um, but then also I teach yoga in a way that uh, utilizes the kind of principles of exercise, science, biomechanics to create a physically stronger body. And, um, and so I utilize resistance bands and props and, and also um, body positioning, blankets to help facilitate a physical experience. And when people get to tap into this, this sense of, of what it, what it means to get stronger and what that might actually feel like and how it might be different than like other ways that they, uh, have engaged with, with yoga. And I think there's a connection between the physical strength. I'll speak for myself personally, the physical strength that I've been able to acquire, not just in practicing asana in my yoga practice, but also in going to the gym and, 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 and that as well. But, there's been a connection to that felt sense of physical strength and the new abilities that come from that. And, uh, and I would say like a, a quieter confidence, confidence that I don't need to have all the answers and that um, it's okay to keep questioning and it's okay to keep um, changing my mind and that I'm, I'm strong enough to I'm strong enough to, to be able to adapt and change. Mm. I'm strong enough to have my mind changed. Um, I'm strong enough to grow, right? Uh, so, so yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's what I teach. And I also, uh, I also teach conscious relaxation techniques, mm -hmm. utilizing therapy balls, and I love the combination of resistance bands and therapy balls, or therapy balls and resistance bands. Mm. There's a little yin and yang. Mm. There's a little yin and yang element there. Um, and, and not to say that resistance bands and therapy balls are oppositional in nature. They're not necessarily. I mean, you can use resistance bands to induce deep levels of relaxation, yeah. and you can use therapy balls to induce high levels of of excitation of, of muscle effort too. But, um, but for the most part, I would say the way that I use therapy balls when I teach is to induce deep levels of relaxation and, and attunement mm -hmm. to the felt sense. And the way I use resistance bands is deep levels of attunement to the sense of strength and force that we're capable of, mm -hmm. of creating. And have you always taught like that? I mean, I kind of know the answer, but for, yeah, have you always taught like that? Has that always been what your practice of teaching practices looked like? No, no way. Um, I, I started teaching, started teaching, um, really what I, I think what I was teaching was I was teaching what I was taught. Yeah. Which we did. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's. Is there another way? No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's another way. No. <laughs> uh, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching my daughter grow up and I'm, I'm just waiting for her to start doing what I do yeah. and then go, oh, yeah. and then <laughs> start rethinking some of the things. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, no, there's no other way. And, and so I'm still teaching, I'm still teaching what I learn, obviously, like I, it's not, I'm devoid of influence. I'm, I have, if anything, I'm more aware of my influences. Um, I think when I started teaching, I was, I was a little bit more aware of myself, you know, and, and, and just trying to get the words out, make it through a class, yeah. not mess up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get <Yeah>. it right. <laughs> not, not forget the name of a body part. I do that all the time, actually, and people don't care, but, um, yeah, they really don't. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to be liked. That was a big yeah. thing. Mm. 
really wanted my students to like me. So would you say that what you used to teach would be, you know, if people are listening and they and they maybe don't practice yoga that much, kind of, but they maybe so they're familiar with what it might look like and what it might be, you know, I would suggest that what you teach now perhaps doesn't look like what would come first to people's minds when they think of yoga, if they're kind of new to it, and maybe perhaps what you started teaching is more like what they would think of? Yeah. Uh, so I think what I started teaching was a alignment-based combination of a more static expression of the postures where you hold the postures and a more dynamic expression of the postures where you'd be moving through sequences of connected poses on the breath. So it was kind of a combination of those two ways of engaging with the asanas statically and dynamically. And it was very alignment based in that um, there was sort of a focus on precise position. Mm-hmm. My sequencing has not uh, changed a lot though, I would say mm-hmm. um, in that I started off, I think, with a pretty good foundation in sequencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my background is with yoga works. So um, I took the trainings, 200 and 300 hour yoga works teacher trainings, and then um, became a trainer eventually and led the 200 hour and 300 hour. And I still am a guest teacher for the 300 hour program. Um, the the training and the style prepared me well for sequencing a class in that it made sense the way that, you know, we'd be warming the body up slowly and then progressing toward maybe a little bit more of a peak experience and then a cool down. The postures themselves are mostly traditional asanas. So that's the really big change, which is that I teach a lot of non-traditional movements within the yoga class. Um, but I still do also teach the asanas. And I think you make actually wonderful peak expressions, um, to work toward. A lot of them are not great warmups. You know, asana is not a great warmup for asana. Yeah. 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 You know, I think it's kind of like, sorry, not as a, not as a rule, but for the most part, I want to just say, yeah. 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 It's kind of like um, I'm thinking about, um, you know, you hear about you get great painters, say, who, who do things really in an abstract way or differently, and they make a new kind of way of painting or whatever. But they always studied under a kind of classical person who was doing things sort of the right way, the conventional way at the time. Mm-hmm. Like you go to art school, you learn the way to do it, and mm-hmm. then you start to like color outside the lines and make your own thing. But you can see where it's come from, and you can see that that person has studied kind of the traditional form or ways of doing things. And I guess it's kind of the same for for you and your kind of how your teaching practice has grown and, and you know, for lots of other people as well, is, is you kind of, you, you study it, you learn it, that thing, and then you start to, to grow it out into something that looks different and it's more like you and it's more um, maybe experimental or playful or whatever, um, but it's come from that place. And, like, absolutely when... Um, you know, when I did the, the resistance band training um, course with you, you've got all the postures in there. You can see it, even if you're breaking them down and doing them differently, you can see where they've come from and everything. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's kind of like that, maybe. Yeah, it's a, it, I would say that I'm, I'm definitely drawing heavily from my background as uh, an asana teacher still in in the way that I teach, but I've allowed now for a cross pollination mm. to happen where I've, uh, I like to call the, the different communities that you can be a part of, whether it be yoga or uh, Pilates or weight training, maybe it's CrossFit, maybe it's, you know, uh, even Feldenkrais, like all of these communities have deep knowledge of a particular mode of moving mm-hmm. a mode of teaching and a lot of times the goals are very different as well. And so yeah. that, that, that speaks to perhaps why their approach is different. But, um, but if you've only learned within one of those communities, you won't actually be able to know as much about your community 
until you step outside of it. You will you will know less about your community mm-hmm. if you stay within that that insular place because you will lack perspective mm-hmm. and and you will never have your ideas challenged. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's important no matter what you teach to to go venture out into communities that are different and and move and learn to move in a in a different way and and have maybe a different goal even for movement right like I mean I think ultimately like the meta objective is 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 a lot of times the same right like I want to age gracefully or I want to decrease my pain or alleviate my stress but um, the smaller sub goals are are in these in these different um, ways of using the body are, are often different. Like, so for example, like CrossFit is largely about strength and conditioning, whereas Feldenkrais is, is a somatic practice that uh, looks, I think, to connect uh, the brain and the body and, and yoga is a kind of similar, but different in the sense that yoga is much more, I think about um, end range expression. And um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that, uh, all of those are great objectives to have, but, you know, you, you probably also need to balance those objectives with the, with the, the ones maybe that your modality is not giving you. So, yeah. And one, I was going to say one of, one of the things that, that, um, I've realized as a, as an asana teacher is that in, in a yoga teacher who, you know, teaches asana and, and then multidisciplinary movements and even utilizes resistance bands is that, it's tempting to want to make a practice of yoga that includes movement like asana, everything to everyone, right? It's tempting to want to look at it and go, well, what's missing here? What does yoga not do enough of? And go, well, that's okay. I can, I can put that into, I can fit that into. And, and I think that's tempting, but ultimately like that might actually water down a little bit what it is then that you can offer your community or your group of students that they're actually really needing. Right. And so, but the beauty too of yoga is that it can, it can offer such a different experience depending on the teacher who's teaching the class and, and their kind of point of view. But, you know, I, I, I find that too, it's, it's, it's easy to want to be all things to everybody. And this is, this is also like, in our lives as people, like I want to please everyone and say yes all the time to everyone. And then pretty soon we don't have enough time to really focus on the parts of our lives that really do truly give our lives meaning. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with teaching. If we're trying to be everything to everyone, we don't get to focus on the aspects of our teaching that do really give meaning to our students and what we have to say and what we have to offer as teachers. So... I wanted to say that. Yeah. It's important to remember. It's definitely, yeah, definitely really important to remember. I think especially if you start adding in different things into your yoga teaching, like I'm doing, like adding the resistance bands and adding different movements and, and different things that can help to, to strengthen and stuff like that, it's still important to remember that that's not a full, complete uh, kind of movement practice it's not a full range of movement nutrients for the body or or it's not even a full range of of nutrients maybe for the mind or whatever it is that the person wants like that that nobody's going to get everything from one thing whether that's a a movement class or a piece of food that they're eating you know Um, exactly and and that's kind of something that I really wanted to discuss with you it was um this importance uh of getting different movement kind of nutrients and practices and, and kind of um as I think and I certainly experienced this myself when I started practicing yoga regularly I kind of felt like this is great this gives me everything I need um I can just practice yoga kind of thing um and sort of fell into just doing that and now I'm thinking about what other things I need to add in and bring in um so yeah can you speak about that a little bit that kind of importance of getting that mixture um, why that's important? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's important physically simply because of the, I would say for most people, the daily life activities that they're doing are somewhat repetitive. Hmm. So sitting, 
you know, a lot probably. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe walking and, and maybe like lifting some, some not so heavy stuff up or carrying some not so heavy stuff around. I mean, we're really, uh, we're really blessed to be very technologically advanced. And so we've sort of outsourced physical activity to technology. Um, so what that means then is that when you are looking to give your body the type of stimulation, physical, like mechanical stimulation from, from really like your muscles contracting and working, um, you want to, you want to have a kind of more balanced exposure, um, similar to your diet, right. Or, um, similar to the types of people you hang around. Like maybe you don't want to be hanging around, uh, you know, people with uh, uh, one particular set of interests or personality type or political leanings, you know, maybe you want a diverse exposure race, right? You want to, uh, you want some diversity there too. Um, I think that we, our brains in general as humans, we, we, we love variety um, and it's no different with movement. Um, it can, I think, get really easy to, to, to be, become, super focused on a particular way way of moving if you are really interested in it and you love it and you're good at it especially um i think that's a big draw for people or it is it you know provides you with a really important community um experience uh but it's it's easy for it's easy for one way of moving to become uh you know just another kind of source of repetitiveness. And it might be good to look for something that balances that out. So like if you're doing CrossFit all the time, you might benefit from going and doing some passive stretching in a yoga class or some self-massage. If you're doing yoga all the time, you might benefit from externally loading and and going to the gym and lifting some weights. Um, If you're uh, really into precise alignment and movement, maybe you should go take a modern dance class. Mm. Um, if you're really into modern dance, um, maybe you should go take some precise <laughs> Iyengar yoga. Yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? Like there might be some benefit, um, yeah. physically, physically, um, but also mentally. Um, I think that also it's important to, to expose yourself to different ideas, which really is just like different communities of practice, you know, different, mm. different movement cultures, um, I think that's good because it keeps you from developing kind of, I would say maybe narrow beliefs about movement or yeah. the bot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, my brain just went off in like five different places at once to different things. Oh, good. To say. Love it. <laughs> and I'm like, which one? I can't remember. So, um, what was I just thinking? Oh God. Um, so yeah, that's right. So I was thinking, I wonder if our categorization of, um, or I mean, we're using the word movement, but a lot of the times we use the word exercise, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to get my exercise and kind of, you know, doctors recommend 30 minutes of exercise a day or whatever. And then it's list, they might list all these things that that count as exercise so then we might go okay right um this is on the list I'm going to do that every day and that's that's my 30 minutes of exercise great (laughs) and I wonder if that's part of 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 the problem there that word that we're using is is exercise Mm. and if we think about it as movement and we think of all the different varieties and ways that the human body can move as well as like you said that kind of exposing yourself to different ideas and different communities and ways of thinking and and, and it becomes a much more what I would call a kind of holistic view of it rather than just categorizing this, this thing in this box as exercise and like, let's tick off our daily exercise. Right. It, yes. Exercise has been compartmentalized to this mm. really specific thing that we do with our body. That's extremely narrowly defined. Um, like right down to like the joint angles and loads that we're repetitively experiencing. Um, but then it's also, uh, you know, it's, uh, cordoned off into particular places with, um, maybe particular people and there's a protocol, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it could be, it could be instead of thinking of it as this compartmentalized time in which we exercise it, it, it could definitely start to, 
bleed into the moment to moment way that you live your life. And you could, you know, like Katie Bowman is uh, a real uh, lifestyle paradigm shifter. Yeah. In this regard, she talks a lot about how um, you could stop outsourcing movement to technology. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, yeah. Could, you could just get up and go, you know, walk the mile and carry the food back. You could, you could create a, you could create a schedule in which you like build in physical activity. One of the, one of the things she talked about in one of her books, I think, or maybe it was a podcast was about how you could, if you, if, if the commute, walking commute to work is too long, consider driving halfway and then walking yeah. half yeah, yeah, yeah. and walking back. Um, you know, those are, those are phenomenal ideas. I'm, I live in New York city and I, I have no choice but to take that, <laughs> take that lifestyle on. Like it is a, an Olympic event <laughs> to go and, uh, grocery shop unless you have it delivered. And so of course now I have it delivered because I have, my life has become overwhelming in some other ways with my, with my baby. And so having the food delivered is, is what makes sense now. But yeah, I, I used to walk to the grocery store and do a big shop and then have to carry all that home. And, you know, for some reason when it's happening, there's at least I at least experience like some resentment. <laughs> like, oh, my hands hurt and I'm sweating yeah, and all yeah. the spill and oh my God, <laughs> the garbage smells. And why did I have to buy four grapefruits or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. But then... Um, but then somehow, like, then when I would go to the gym and <laughs> do some cardiovascular thing, I was like, ah, oh, this feels great. And, or I'm lifting weights and my hands oh, hurt. funny. I'm like, oh, my hands hurt. That's great. I'm getting stronger. <laughs> you know, but I, I think that we, but like you're saying is like, it's a paradigm. I mean, what we're saying is like, it's a paradigm shift. It's to start to reframe the way that you think about physical exertion all day long. Like, Oh, I've got to reach down and pick up yet another whatever was left on the ground by, you know, your child or your spouse or whatever is like, um, for a while, my husband couldn't find the laundry hamper. So I was like, uh, a lot of, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I showed him where it was eventually he figured it out, but, um, you know, but like, that's all just movement that you're doing yeah, and, yeah. and it's not all, not all movement is the same. But I think in general, what would help a lot is if we just moved more. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think we just if we moved more, that would be a step in the right direction. We move more and move more others more of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And lifting heavy stuff, I think, is a big yeah. missing. Absolutely. Yeah. I am. Um, I've been following Katie Bowman's work for a while and I think it's great. And um my boyfriend and I went to get a Christmas tree this past Christmas and um, we walked. So it was about a 20 minute walk from our house to the place that was selling them. And we went and we got it um, and we don't have a car. So we were like, well, we're carrying this tree back. And I, instead of moaning about it, I was like, this is brilliant. I'm getting all this workout. Look at the strength training I'm doing. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had a great time. And, you know, I could have been yeah. really grumpy and miserable that we were carrying this Christmas yes. tree like a mile. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I think a lot of what, what technology has afforded us is just an enormous amount of extra time. Mm. And that, and this is in, this is for, you know, people who are already, you know, making enough money to not have to work all day long and all night long, mm. uh, of which I would say, I'm definitely fortunate to say that. Yeah. Like I have a lot of privilege in that regard. Um, but, but technology has, has, has got us, you know, to a place where now we have even more time and, uh, and we're like, oh, great. Uh, I'll just have, you know, my cell phone do this work for me or my computer do this work for me. And then with all of this extra time, what are we actually, what are we actually doing with it? Um, and, and could we, could we use technology to create more time for movement? Mm. So it seems like one of the ways that, one of the ways that it's creating more time is like more time for sedentary stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is like anything, well not like anything, but like a lot of things, you know, technology is a double-edged sword or it's it's a, it's a tool whose value depends on how you use it. Mm -hmm. And so um it can it can be used 
it can be used to, to help or to harm. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Mm, that's really interesting. Um, so I want to know what your <laughs> week in movement looks like. If you have a standard week, but you do, do you do kind of the same sort of things every week or does it look different every week, the kind of practices that you do? Well, I could talk about what's happening right now. Yeah. I would say that I do, I do go in like my own sort of seasons of movement, okay. not necessarily aligned with the seasons sure. of the, of the earth. Mm. But uh, right now I'm in a season of movement in which I am going to the gym two to three times a week. And I'm working with a personal trainer because I'm working, um, on, I want, I want to learn more actually about how to, how to lift weights and also how to, uh, eventually maybe be a, a trainer or to incorporate mm -hmm. some knowledge around weightlifting into the stuff that I offer. And so I'm, I'm doing right now, we've sort of, we've narrowed down what I go to the gym to do to like five different things. So I'm, I used to go to the gym and be like, the gym is my oyster and I would find a million different things that I could do. And it was so much fun. And I still love that. And I still go to the gym sometimes and I just play and make stuff up and have, have a blast. But right now I'm really trying to narrow my focus to really just focus on a couple of different lifts and to learn what it means to progress really, um, in a way that ultimately yields uh, my, you know, stronger muscles. Um, so I'm becoming really interested in um, in sets and reps and 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 uh, the the time between uh, sets and things like that. And and I'm going to eventually take a test, which is a pretty pretty challenging test for those. Um, Wow. CSCS certified strength and conditioning specialist. So, so this is like my experiential learning, but also my, my exercise, okay. if you want to call it, or mm -hmm. my movement. Uh, but it's, I'm in school. So yeah. when I go to the gym, I'm at school okay. or I'm doing my homework. And, and when I go to my weight training session, it's, it's for me, it's, it's school in the best sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm working with a really, really smart trainer, Ariana Rabinovich. Um, so that's, that's a big part. And then I'm also, when I come home, a lot of times I'll go into my room and I'll do some, some of my stuff that I do on, on a yoga mat or I don't use a yoga mat really anymore, but it, what you could do on a yoga mat. So some body weight resistance, or I'll, I'll use resistance bands and do a little uh, yoga, multidisciplinary, um, stuff. I have a 20 pound kettlebell and a and some TRX bands in my room as well. So sometimes I'll incorporate those. And that's usually for the purpose of stimulating my creativity mm -hmm. and, uh, or working through some, you know, aspect of my body that maybe is a little sore or, um, taking something that I learned maybe from lifting weights and seeing how I can apply it on the mat with resistance bands or just moving in ways that feel interesting or feel good, um, focusing on my breath, focusing on um, sensing myself and sort of where I'm at, mm. taking a little bit more meditative approach maybe. So, mm. yeah, that's that probably happens two or three times a week. And uh, sometimes it's just like, you know, my daughter's playing on the floor and I'm like, oh, me. I just roll on, really roll on this yeah. ball while she plays on the floor or, you know, oh, let me, let me try something with a resistance band or, mm. and then sometimes it's like, uh, I'm going to be in the room for an hour. Um, so that's where I am. If you need me, <laughs> yeah. not to my baby, not to my baby, yeah. to my husband, yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> just my baby on the floor. I'm just going to be in here for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's what it looks like right now. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. And then that kind of shifts, I guess, do you just sort of, you just get a feeling that, that you want to do something different or is it kind of led by, I guess sometimes it's led by what you want to learn, you know, like like when you're mm -hmm. at the gym, you're in school, so it's kind of like, what do I it's, want to learn now? It's almost always led by what I want to learn and what I want to learn is almost always led by something that I'm feeling. Okay. My body. Mm. Like, uh, it's either a question or it's a feeling like pain, pain, pain's what brought me to, uh, 
to weightlifting and then um, kind of reminded me of resistance bands. I had been using them very early in my teaching, actually. I, I was learning from someone who was incorporating them, and then I kind of let them go, and then I came back to them. I was like, wait a second. These are, hmm. these are ideal equipment for a yoga space. So have you always been movement curious? Like kind of this, hmm. yeah. No, I have not. Okay. Uh, I've been, I've, I was uh, an athlete okay. from fifth grade until 12th grade. Right. I was known as an athlete. I was, I was moderately talented. I mean, I didn't, I don't think I would have, I maybe would have gone to a smaller college and played volleyball, mm-hmm. like a D3. Maybe I could have done a D3, D4, something like that. What's a D3, D4? Oh, Division 3 and 4 oh, are smaller okay, right. colleges. Okay. Like Division 1 is... Big time. I just revealed my my my, yeah. my knowledge on uh, anything sporty. Yeah, <laughs> I don't well, know what I, you mean. D three. You probably don't call it Division one and two schools. Yeah, and, and... but I probably couldn't tell you what we do call it. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, but I I was uh I wouldn't say that I was movement curious okay. when I was an athlete. I was like get the ball and score curious. Like how can I. <laughs> How can I get the ball and score? It was very task-based. It was very performance and task-based. Uh-huh. Um, it was it was really about denying what I was feeling. Hmm. I like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to puke. I'm sucking air. My whatever, my arms hurt from from passing the the volleyball, or maybe I'm working with some kind of injury. I just rolled my ankle in a in a game, and I'm going to play on a hurt ankle or whatever it is. Like. Athletics, competitive athletics is, is, is not about, I wouldn't say it's about curiosity no. necessarily. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it is. I think it's, I, I, but I, I would, I would like to have my, you know, my beliefs challenged in that matter. Um, I took yoga for the first time in college and that was the first time where I was like, wait a second, what is going on? This is, this is, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I would, that's when I was suddenly like, there's something about yoga, Mm. but there was something about the experience that I had where I was like, I want to know what just happened to me. And I had taken a couple of dance classes in college and, you know, that for me, uh, well, first of all, like I hadn't done any formal dance until college and I had only played sports and I wasn't particularly cut from the cloth that dancers mm-hmm. seem to be cut from, I lacked a lot of flexibility and just, there was no aesthetic mm-hmm. component to the way I was moving at all. Um, but it seemed aesthetically driven and I was interested in it for that reason. Um, I was an acting major, so aesthetics are extremely important anytime you're dealing with a performing art. And that's a good thing, I think. Mm. Uh, art is aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the aesthetics were highlighted to me in my experience. I think if I went back to take some dance classes, I would have a completely different experience of dance though. But it was yoga that really brought me into this. I guess if you would, you, you could say it's aesthetic as well. I mean, the felt yeah. sense, hmm. the aesthetic experience of feeling. Ooh. You could talk about that, that sentence for ages. <laughs> You sure could. You sure could. You sure could. Uh, so I was just like, what is happening? I became intensely curious about why it was that I felt the way that I did after practicing. Hmm. That's, and then I became a teacher out of that. Hmm. Yeah. So kind of, as we've been talking, I guess I, there's a few points that just want to pick up on and highlight kind of what's coming together in my mind is, is this this idea of curiosity kind of leading the way in kind of our movement practices and things thinking about movement in a more kind of open uh, cross-pollination type way where we can go and take from other other areas and and have our ideas challenged and questioned and go into different communities and things um, and then movement as kind of being yeah more of a whole part of our lives rather than just this thing that we section off but more of a thing that we bring our 
curious mind to something that can help us learn new things something that can help us um you know like you said you you might do your yoga practice to exploit your creativity and your creative thinking and and that kind of thing and and um so rather than it just being you know oh I'm doing this practice to gain my flexibility which I guess you know you could be gaining flexibility of mind as well and it's kind of so being more open to the idea of 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 what movement can be and and it being a more kind of kind of more rounded full part of our lives Mm. it's kind of things that are jumping out at me here I think I think that ultimately I think that movement I think when it's working it's improving our relationships Mm. you know and so I think when it's working it improves our ability to make connections with I think with other people honestly um I think, you know, sometimes in order to improve our relationships with other people, we have to feel okay ourselves. Mm. And a lot of times, whatever movement community you're a part of provides that connection, which is, I think, when movement communities are working well, when they provide a nourishing, healthy connection for people in community to engage with others. And then, you know, if you have a solitary movement practice, a lot of people are long distance runners and they run alone that that running practice or whatever is the solitary movement practice helps you to feel more resilient, perhaps grounded, less overwhelmed, less anxious, uh, more confident, happier so that when you step into the relationships with the people around you, that you can be more present. Hmm. Hmm. I think that might really be what it's about. But I think that, you know, I think that that's for someone who's practicing movement. And I think that when you start teaching movement, there's a big change with regards to with regards to what that movement then means for you if you're teaching yoga what your yoga practice starts to mean for you yeah right it because now you're sharing your practice mm-hmm. with your students yeah definitely and 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 also you're sharing uh yeah you're you're sharing your point of view from a position of authority and so when teaching is working, when the practice, if you want to call it, of teaching is working, I think that what's happening is that you've become a person who continues to share as a student, and you you allow your mind to change. You even allow your students to change your mind, but you allow other you know, people that you're working alongside of, maybe colleagues, maybe colleagues in other um, industries to, to change your mind. Um, and so that like the way you're showing up as a, maybe what, like a representative of the subject matter, like somebody who sort of represents the subject matter is that you're, that you're, that you are, uh, not necessarily the authority on the subject matter, but like you are allowing yourself to be changed by it and, and possibly also um, influencing change of it. Hmm. And so there's this, uh, again, this community aspect, this idea of being in relationship. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting and I think really true. Um, thank you Laurel I think this is a good place maybe to start wrapping up so I'm going to end now by asking you um, my final question that I ask all my guests and it's my two part question which is um, in your ideal vision of the future your dream vision what changes would you like to see people having made towards a more purposeful and holistic life and then the second part is if people are interested in moving in that direction what small steps could they take now 
to, to do that. Mm. A more purposeful, holistic life. So in other words, your purpose will become a more whole part of your life. It will become a, a your purpose will become more, more, a, 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 a regular part of your life instead of this thing that you've compartmentalized mm. or maybe a thing that you're not pursuing at all. I think it's really about recognizing then what your purpose is, right? If you want to live a purposeful life, I think you need to recognize your purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many ways in which we're encouraged not to look at that mm-hmm. out of obligation or convention or habit, addiction, um, negative, uh, harmful relationships. So ultimately, if you want to live a more purposeful life, you got to start maybe to look at to look at the the things that are getting in your way of recognizing your purpose to begin with. And so that might be fear, um, which I think, you know, is a big one. Mm. And it's not a, it's not, it's not one to discount. I mean, Mm, there's, there's lots of ways in which things can feel a little shaky Mm. nowadays. Um, some big ways, and so then again, I would ask, you know, like, what do we do to soothe ourselves? What do we do to feel good? You know, and good in, in like a really good way, not in a, in a false, superficial, temporary way. Mm. For me, for me, um, it's about being present with the people in my life and not taking people for granted and starting to recognize that like when I'm starting to feel those feelings of fear and anxiety that get in the way of me pursuing my purpose, that maybe what I need to do is take a step back and, you know, look at that maybe with the people that I love and that, that I, that I, that I can lean on. Maybe it's with a therapist. Maybe it's, um, you know, it depends, but, um, I think really it's it's not about looking for all the ways in which, you know, we're wrong or we're bad or we have bad habits. It's not about nitpicking. It's it's really about getting clear with like, what's stopping me right now? What is the thing that's stopping me from leading a purposeful life? And I think once we stop doing that, the purpose reveals itself. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, sort of general, but... There are just ways in which I, I've self-sabotaged in the past, and I don't and I don't see myself doing that as much anymore. And I recognize, like, I seem to be living a more purpose-driven life yeah. as a result. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that there 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 are there are big changes like that, which I think a lot of times have to do with abstaining in this culture of excess. Mm. You know? yeah. So if you're a consumer. Maybe abstain from consuming. Um, if you're obsessive about a particular thing, maybe maybe abstain. Um, if it's if it's if you feel like you can't do it alone, right? Because we're also you and I both live in very individualistic societies. Consider that you could use some support, mm. professional support, or Maybe I just have felt disconnected and you're, and you're feeling like, uh, you know, isolated and maybe you need to call a friend or maybe you need to make a date to go see a friend or maybe you need to just have a quiet time, turn the phones off, go for a walk with your partner. Um, and then maybe you need to make a habit of that. Mm-hmm. But I think to live a holistic purpose-driven life... I guess what I've arrived at here is that a lot of times it's about figuring out what you might be doing that's preventing you from seeing that. Mm. And only you, only you can figure that out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's great. And you, and you, and you probably, you probably want to have some help, Mm. um, working on it too, Mm. you know? 
to, to not feel like you have to be doing things alone all the time. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really important. Yeah. Well, thank you, Laurel. It's been really lovely chatting to you. Um, do you want to let people know where they can find you online if they want to find out more about you? Or Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really active on Instagram. It's my first and last name, at Laurel Biebersdorf. Mm-hmm. I post all types of stuff, but mostly it's around movement. Mm-hmm. And my website, laurelbeaversdorf.com. Those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me. If you're not on Instagram, I'm also on Facebook, Laurel Beaversdorf or Laurel Yoga. Cool. And I'll put links to all of those in the show notes so people can easily find you. Thank Wonderful. you very much, Laurel. Thanks, Alan. It's been so lovely talking with you. Yeah, you too. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Create Shift. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I would love to hear what you thought. Um, find me on Instagram at being underscore change. Find me online at being-change.com where you can read blogs, find past episodes of the podcast, find the show notes for this episode. So any links that you wanted will be right there and find out more about what I do. I would really appreciate it if you did enjoy this episode, if you'd be willing to hop over to either the Apple Podcasts app, if you listen to this on an Apple device, or to iTunes, find Create Shift and leave a rating and a review. It's not just to feed my ego, I promise, although that is nice. Um, It's so that other people can find the show, because the more people who review it, the more that iTunes, Apple the powers that be will trust that it is a podcast worth listening to and show it to other people who may be interested so thank you in advance for doing that and until next time 